Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I am your host, business manager Joseph Acosta, here with photo editor Estin Parker and sports editor Richard Pereira. Start off with you, Estin. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. I went back home to South Carolina this weekend, and it's good to be back, though. I like the warmth. <laughs> Definitely, especially during this time of the year. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good to know we had a winning weekend. Yeah, we definitely had a winning weekend. We'll get into that a little later, but we kind of start off with some sad news to, I guess, not report, but just to kind of talk about legendary FAU in South Florida, not University of South Florida, but coach in South Florida, Howard Schnellenberger, passed away on Saturday at the age of 87. And, you know, just looking at all the posts on social media from players, from journalists, from coaches, you could tell the kind of impact that he had on not only FAU or Miami, but on college sports as a whole. I mean, the man practically built South Florida. He owned South Florida. And what stood out to me is the kind of impact he had culturally. Cause you know, University of Miami, everybody remembers like the bad boys Miami during the eighties he was a coach during that time. And what he did was he allowed the players to be themselves. He wasn't going to try and sterilize them or sanitize them to be what white America wanted them to be. He was going to allow the players to be themselves. And with that came huge success. And where we even begin with FAU, he literally started the program. Um, Schnellenberger Field is named after him for a reason. He's pretty much a legend in college coaching and you can't tell the story of football in South Florida without speaking extensively about Howard Schellenberger. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that he was an offensive coordinator on the 72 Dolphins. So, um, Eston, just kind of your thoughts on Howard Schellenberger, his impact. I mean, I, I grew up a university of Miami fan. Um, and I'm a huge Dolphins fan. So it, Hearing what happened was, you know, it, it was really sad to see. Um, and South Florida's lost a lot of big sporting icons recently with first Don Shula last year and now Schnellenberger. It's, it, you know, it's it's sad to see, but also I, it's, it's good to see that their legacy will always live on, especially with Schnellenberger. I mean, Howard Schnellenberger Field. Um, and also, like you said, JP, his, his legacy for making, especially the University of Miami, what it what it was um, and what they still feel that they are just a, a built a legendary program and he built up a future legendary program in FAU. We're just on the way. Literally, he literally built that program. They brought him in as director of football operations and said, Hey, we're building the football team. And he's like, all right, and build it by his hands. And he was first head coach. Um, it's really, like we said, you can't tell his story of South Florida football without mentioning him. Richard, what do you think? Well, to start off, he should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't really matter what his record is. What matters is that he was the pioneer of everything that happened in South Florida in terms of college football. He revolutionized everything. He built the programs of UM and then FAU during his final years of his coaching career. And it really is incredible. Like, he gave FAU their first bowl game wins. It's you have to put respect on it. You, you have to. You, it, it's pretty much an obligation to do that. And 
I hope that Snellenberger gets the respect that he deserves by actually being in the Hall of Fame because he really deserves it. Absolutely. Um, you know, the Hall of Fame is really kind of, they're missing out, definitely. If they're going to count him out on his winning record, win-loss record, you have to look at the impact that he had, literally building Miami to what they were. He was the beginning of that. He was the architect of that. He built Florida Atlantic with his hands. He built Louisville. Um, he recruited, I, I believe it was Joe Namath, not Joe Namath, but Ken Stabler, either one of those guys, Joe Namath or Ken Stabler. He recruited them to Kentucky. He was, he was there with Bear Bryant. He was literally, you cannot mention greatest coaches in college football of all time without mentioning Howard Schnellenberger because of the impact that he had specifically on South Florida in an area with a lot of talented football players that come from Day County, Broward County, everywhere in South Florida. Howard Schnellenberger basically said, come to Miami and we'll let you be yourself. Come to FAU and we'll build something here. And that's something that will never be forgotten. Um, we kind of move off of a somber note more to FAU baseball and you know, they needed to rebound after their recent losing skid, losing 14 to nine to Miami, which is no shabby thing because Miami's number 18 in the country. But you know what FAU did, Marshall? They went out and bought some brooms and they went on out onto the FAU's baseball field, started sweeping them off game after game. They ended with a clean sweep of Marshall through four games, mercy ruling Marshall, in the first game, 12-0, beating Marshall 5-3 in extra innings, then beating Marshall, beating Marshall in a doubleheader on Saturday, 5-3 and 7-6. And then on Sunday, defeating Marshall 11-2. You know, this is a dominant showing for FAU, um, especially those Friday and Sunday games. But it was really those two game, the doubleheader in the middle where you really saw this team's will and drive to win. You know, being down early and then coming back and winning in extra innings is what you want to see from FAU baseball, especially rebounding off of tough losses like they've had so far. Richard, um, what were your general observations from this weekend of baseball for FAU? First off, the offense came back and then the pitching was great. Hunter Cooley and Javi Rivera were had great performances overall in the series. And I, this time I saw a lot more perseverance throughout the series. Like it's it's hard to come back after being down the way they were, especially in the third game, uh, the second game of the doubleheader when they were down 6-0. And then they miraculously came back scoring seven straight runs and then to top it off with a game winner from Jared DeSantogo. That was great. That was great. And not to mention their first shutout win of the season in the first game of the series. This is what I want to see from uh, the from FU baseball. Like just, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't let up. Yeah, they don't. You don't really want to let up at all throughout this whole series. You know, like I said, that extra inning game, those extra inning games are really the ones where you're like, this team is special because they're winning those close games, 
especially rebounding off of tough losses. And of course, you know, the bats came to life throughout this whole series. Esten, what did you think of the offense throughout this series with Marshall? I think they were really resilient. Um, and I, they, they really proved themselves this weekend. I mean, th- towards the end of the Miami game, they actually did make a bit of a comeback. They were down 12 nothing at one point. So I was kind of expecting them to go into this Marshall series with a, you know, a, a pretty good uh, feeling of confidence, but clearly they were, they were just really feeling themselves just, I mean, to drop more than 10 runs twice on them is it's pretty good. But um, yeah, I, I think they were really resilient and they showed, like you said, JP, they showed what they're capable of. Yeah, they absolutely showed they're capable of. Um, I think uh, Richard already shouted out uh, Jared Santolo with the game-winning hit. Um, definitely want to shout out B.J. Murray, Mitch Hardigan, Nolan Shanuel, and um, Caleb Pendleton, who, like I said before, are playing out of their minds as freshmen for FAU baseball. And they're kind of separating themselves now as the top of the the Conference USA in baseball, you know, them and Louisiana Tech are really sitting there at the top and every game should be like that for the teams that are at the top of Conference USA. The FAU baseball team actually plays tonight. We're recording this on a Tuesday. They're playing tonight on Tuesday against Florida Gulf Coast. And, you know, the University Press will have the recap of that. But now we move on to FAU soccer, men's and women's. And the FAU men picked up a 2-1 victory against South Carolina. And then the FAU women, excuse me, also played Charlotte on Friday and picked up the 1-0 win. So it was just a weekend of winning for FAU sports. Richard, what did you think of that women's 1-0 victory? It was pretty much one of their best defensive performances all season. And to top it off with the goal they had, it was well done. It was a, the win was um, an overall good, a good, a good team effort. Like they, they did great. And they're starting to recover from that bad start early at the seat earlier into the season. So it's good to see that they're bouncing back in conference play. And I just want with two games left for the season before the conference USA tournament, just keep it up and just get those W's. Yeah, and FAU women, they were actually more efficient with their shots, although Charlotte outshot them 9-8. Four of of FAU's shots were actually on target, on goal, compared to two for Charlotte. So they're making the most of the opportunities that they're having. SL, I'll go to you for the men's soccer, who picked up the 2-1 win over South Carolina. Oh, man, I knew I shouldn't. I should have went to Richard for this one. Now that I'm seeing who who they played against, Eston, go ahead, go ahead with your. Listen, no, number one, j- just to get it out of the way, the Owls beat the Cox. Um, technically the Gamecocks, but uh, it, it was it was a really fun game. Um, I'm personally kind of bummed I, I had to miss it, but it was it was great. Um, even Mikalenko, I'm sure I'm botching his last name, but he he really played lights out and the, and the defense did as well. Um, but I mean, for Ivan to pick up two goals and honestly, 
I thought he was going to have a hat trick. Um, there was one shot, I think, was it, I think it was a header where I, I, I thought it was going to go in and then the keeper for USC just stuffed it. Speaking of that, that was the real USC that FAU played this weekend, not that fake school in Los Angeles. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Adiel, I'm sorry. Adiel is our uh, uh, student media manager. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to edit that out. I'm not going to be it, able to edit it, that out. It, it, am I not going to get my paycheck this week? Uh, I don't know, man. You have to take, <laughs> you have to take that but, with higher ups. This is above me now. But shout out but to it was, FAU, it was a fun game. FAU men's soccer. They got three games left until conference tournaments. They'll be playing Saturday at Marshall. That's actually going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So if you have the time, if you have the ability, go check out ESPN+. Plus. Check out the FAU men's soccer team. The women's soccer team will be playing on... Friday. On Friday. this Friday at Middle Tennessee, wrapping up what is going to be the second to last game in conference play before the conference tournament. So make sure you go support the Owls, both men's and women's soccer teams, as they go into conference play, as they hopefully go to national play as well. So we're moving on, and it's time to bring this back. We had a little bit of a break off. We had a, we had a few weeks off. But now we're back. And you know what we're talking about. We're talking about mascot combat. We're talking about mascot madness. We're bringing it back. We're going to let you know who won in, these, in the latest round of tournaments. And we'll let you know who's, who's going to be in the final rounds. Um, well, eventually, we'll have the poll set up after the show. You'll be able to vote. And then come this time on Monday, we'll announce the winners and who's advancing. So, just to recap, we had in round two, Sparty of Michigan State against Mr. Okra of Delta State. Guys, 64.3% of our audience had Mr. Okra advancing. Mr. Okra is moving on to the Elite Eight. Next, we have the Stanford Tree versus Joe Vandal. And 64% of our audience said the Stanford Tree will be moving on to the Elite Eight. So the matchup will be Mr. Okra versus the Stanford Tree. Which, buddy, that is a heavyweight matchup. That is Tyson versus, that's like Ali versus George Foreman, man. This is Rumble in the Jungle types of feels. Moving on, we got Wooshlock versus the Gorlock. And this was a blowout. 77% of our audience said Wooshlock will be advancing to the Elite Eight. And who will Wooshlock be facing? In another blowout, Keggy the Keg will be facing Wooshlock in the Elite Eight. Oh my goodness, bro. That is going to be a fantastic matchup. Because in a death match, that's, man, we're, we're going to discuss it later. We're going to discuss it later. But next, we have Big Red versus Owsley. And I can't believe this, man. 71% of the audience voted for Owsley. Owsley is moving to the Elite Eight. 
Eston, go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. Y'all already know it's it's time to call out the cap. The cap is out, man. It, really? Really? But who will Owsley be facing? Either the Billiken of St. Louis University or Evergreen College's Speedy the Geoduck. 73% of the audience said Speedy the Geoduck will be moving on. So Owsley will be facing Speedy the Geoduck in the Elite Eight. And in our final matchup of the Elite Eight, we have Sammy the, it's either gonna be Sammy the Banana Slug versus Sebastian the Ibis. And guys, our underdog is moving on. 61% of the audience said Sammy the Banana Slug. You got to cap out for that? I guess we'll discuss, that, that, we'll discuss it later, but Sammy the Banana Slug will be moving on. And who will he be facing? It is either Seymour of Southern Mississippi versus Demon Deacon of Wake Forest. And 91% of our audience voted for Seymour. And I, I'm going to explain why. And this is shout out to our friends at Southern Mississippi. Because every time I do this poll, Southern Mississippi shows out. They find it. They retweet. They share it. They say, hey, go vote for, go vote for uh, Seymour. We need that engagement. We got to spread the word. We got to get UC Santa Cruz. If you want, if you want Owsley to win against Seymour, because that's what it's looking like. If the if it goes the way that we think, it's going to be Owsley versus Speedy the Geo Duck. Well, let's run. We'll run down the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight is going to be Mr. Okra versus the Stanford Tree, Wooshlock versus Keggy the Keg. <laughs> that name is too funny. I know, man. I, Owsley versus Speedy the Geoduck. And Sammy the Banana Slug versus Seymour of Southern Mississippi. So, Eston, I'll start with you. You had some very strong opinions on our Sweet 16. Um, go ahead. What did you think of the results? I'm, I'm going to let you speak for Big Red. Um, when it comes for Sebastian, I mean, we're, we're talking about a bird that can that, that tells you when hurricanes are gone that also has a tendency or a tendency to bring out a gun from time to time and it has, also was arrested by exactly exactly so it's it's quite a surprise but hey you know it's 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 good to see the underdogs win and also i'm still gonna go with the literal heavyweight in the stanford tree i have confidence in the tree i i i think that uh I'm feeling pretty good about the the big tree's chances. I, he just it's just gonna fall over everyone. That's what's gonna happen. But what if like Mr. Oker, you see he's got the boxing gloves on. What if it like one punch man's and just wham straight through the tree? I mean, is he gonna like Minecraft punch him? I'm I'm feeling that the, the tree can uphold he can withstand the punch. The tree can take yeah, the punch. Has, has it ever felt a punch from a steroid heavy okra with boxing gloves on? Yeah, I mean, Mr. Okra looks like he's been running trend for a little bit. I, I, I think he's got a he's got a pretty good chance. Uh, Richard, what did you think of the Sweet 16? What matchup are you most excited for in our mascot combat Elite Eight? Wusslock and Keggy the King. That is 
a dynamic matchup on paper, man. I still think Wooslock will pull that one out. We'll see. But, you know, I got to go with Owsley versus Big Red. And I know who you are who voted. FAU fans, I support you. You have my respect. But there ain't no way on earth that Owsley is beating Big Red. Of course, Owsley can fly. He has wings. He could kind of stick and move. That's his best chance. He got to stick and move. But if he gets too close, Big Red is going to swallow him, and it'll just be like Yoshi. Okay. <laughs> it'll be like Kirby. It'll absorb all of Owsley's powers. So I don't know, man. I feel like Big Red should be moving on. But, you know, we have our, uh, I guess you could say we have our Oregon State. If you guys have been following the NCAA tournament, we have our Oregon State and Sammy, and Sammy the Banana Slug. But we also have our Gonzaga in um, Wishlock and then Keggy the Keg. You know, this is a elite, this is a championship matchup that we're getting in the Elite Eight. We are blessed. We are living in blessed times, brethren. But, um, you know, we're going to be updating that today. And we'll let you guys know at, on Monday who is the winner. And we'll advance to our final four. It's coinciding pretty well with the NCAA tournament, which I actually did not think it would. This is divine timing. I don't know how we did it. We kind of fell backwards into this. We, I think um, a quote that I had on uh, the University Press whiteboard is all of our greatest decisions come from accidents. And this is kind of another one of those. This is our greatest <laughs> decision that we made and it came from accidentally not uploading. So we're going to move on into the NBA and trade deadline came and went buyout period came and went. And Richard, I'm going to start with you. Who was the biggest winner of the NBA trade deadline and buyout period? It's either between uh, the Nuggets and the Bulls. Um, The Nuggets really got a great player in Aaron Gordon. He is He's versatile. Like, that's what you want in a type of player that Gordon is. And he'll definitely improve the Nuggets' chances of being a strong team out in the West. In the East, Chicago did it, did a great trade in getting Vucevic. And they, they, they are, it's pretty clear that they are looking to be a playoff contender, which they are right now. They're in the playoff hunt. They're in the top 10, which allows them to be at least in the play-in. So... Best of chance, best of luck to the Bulls, and they are looking pretty good right now. Esten, what player do you think benefited the most from being traded or moving to a new situation from this trade deadline and buyout period? Well, first off, I'm thinking Aaron Gordon because I think he's been wanting to get out of Orlando for a bit, and I think him in it on a team that is pretty good that'll be fun. That should be fun to watch. Another player I'm thinking of, Victor Oladipo. I mean, to go from Houston down horrendously bad to Miami, who's definitely going to be a playoff team, that's a huge improvement not only for the player but also the team. And, I mean, the Heat, they got a complete steal. So really only give out Kelly Olenek, that's great. <laughs> and and lastly, and, and I think this is the, personally my, my most interested one, Blake Griffin, to go from Detroit 
to Brooklyn. That's I, I, I think that he he's obviously not the Blake Griffin of of old when he was on the Clippers and just dunking over every single thing that stood in his way. But I think he's gonna he he's already um, been serving a purpose for Brooklyn. He's at he gives him another big man. He gives him a bit more versatility, and he he looks five years younger. I mean, he dunked. What, wasn't it wasn't the last time we saw him dunk in 2019 yeah i mean i'm not sold on the next moves for blake griffin or lamarcus aldridge i'm really not and this is gonna sound entirely hater but i really don't care at this point i don't think blake griffin and lamarcus aldridge are that good at this point in their careers like everybody was like saying like the nets are building a super team they're getting all these all-stars no they're not Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge were former All-Stars. If this that's was 2015, like definitely be a super team. That's like saying, you know what? I can go get Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, and uh, David Robinson and go form a team. We get blown out every game. But those are former All-Stars. That's five of the 12 members of the Dream Team. But – they're not good at this point in their careers, which is what I'm saying about Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge. Marcus Aldridge isn't challenging anything vertically. He's kind of, he's stiff. He's a postman. And I'm really not sure what to think of Blake Griffin because of all the injuries, you know? I don't think the Nets got that much better with adding Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge because they're not that great at this point in their career. I'm going to say the same thing for Andre Drummond. I don't think the Lakers improved that much by getting Andre Drummond because. I mean, they uh, get a better big man. But how much better? That's the thing. How much better did they get by adding Andre Drummond? Is Andre Drummond that good? I don't think he's that good anymore because he can't stretch the feet. He can't stretch. I was going to say stretch the field. He can't stretch the floor. He's. Not that he's not that great defensively. He doesn't move. He's literally there to rebound. But I don't know how much better that makes the Lakers, especially at a point where LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be out. You need some scoring punch to come from somewhere. And you're definitely not getting it from Andre Drummond. So if I had to choose a big winner, I'm going to go with the Heat. Mainly because, and again, Heat fan, going to sound like a homer, but again, oh well. But I'm really, I really think the Heat made off the best by getting Victor Oladipo, not only that, but only giving up Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek for Victor Oladipo is a steal. Because, you know, you heard all the rumors that Kyle Lowry is going to go to Miami, but they wanted Robinson, Hero, Precious Achua, in addition to all this other stuff. So Miami held Pat, got Oladipo, and still kept pretty much their young core, which also sets them up for a future run at some players who could be ending up being free agents or being traded this offseason. Shout outs to Kawhi Leonard, you know, if you ever want to get away from playoff P, come down to Miami, Lars. Um, Brad Beal, another guy. Um, I definitely think Chicago uh, improves a lot by getting Vucevic. It's going to be interesting to see how they do defensively, especially on the interior, 
because they traded away Wendell Carter. Um, they traded away Daniel Gafford, and they brought in Mo Wagner, which, you know, it's Mo uh, Wagner. Mo, no, no, no. Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner is with the Celtics. Mo Wagner is with the Celtics. Daniel Tice is with the Bulls. Yeah. Daniel Tice is with the Bulls because they flipped that. You know, I don't know how much better they get on the interior on defense. I don't think Vucevic is that great defensively. But they get a pick man, a big man, who can play with Zach Levine. And that's something that they desperately needed. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that bottom half of the Eastern Conference shapes out. Because you have a bunch of teams vying for that fourth seed, you know, with New York, Miami, um, Charlotte. I don't know where Charlotte's going to be now because LaMelo Ball is going to be out for the rest of the season. I mean, they still got Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, and Gordon Hayward. Like, they, they are still solid without LaMelo. It's just more or less, can they hold it down for long enough so that they stay in the top at least four or five? Can they hold, it, can they hold out long enough to make the postseason to get LaMelo back? That's really the question because he's out for the rest of the season. They didn't say anything about postseason. But even at the bottom of the East, you know, you still have – you got Cleveland, you got Chicago who just made this trade. And of course we have everyone's favorite team, the Boston Celtics, which you know what time it is. Look, when all the reports say, oh, we're gonna get Aaron Gordon. We're gonna go get Andre Drummond. We're this close to getting LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin or Nikola Vucevic, and you end up with Evan Fournier? I don't want to hear from you ever again as a trade destination, as a wizard of a GM. I don't want to hear from Danny Age ever for the rest of my life. You can't say anything about being a draft or trade wizard if you end up with Evan Fournier instead of Nikola Vucevic. And it's every time. It's like the Celtics almost did this, but you didn't. They didn't. You know why? Because they're cowards. Boston is cowards the celtics are cowards that's why they're the ace seed yes he's acting like the winner's gm and the crazy thing is their title window is open right now and they're not doing anything to help they're not benefiting at all i know it was evan fournier's first game since being traded but going 0 for 10 in 28 minutes and exactly a very good stat line the man was out there just doing cardio. Zion balled out. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Zion um, Williamson playing basketball is like if Brock Lesnar played basketball. <laughs> it's just destruction. Dude, I saw a play where four guys were surrounding Zion Williamson and he still made the basket. And I'm just like, what, do you, what do you, can you do? What can, what can you do? There's really nothing you can do because he's just stronger and bigger than everybody else. He is a defensive tackle that moves like a point guard. Dude, I'm telling you, he would be the greatest defensive tackle of all time. He would. Imagine him on the defensive line, bro. But instead, he decides to dunk on smaller people. And you know what? Perfect comparison from an anime fan. He is the colossal titan. He just bull rushes people and gets people out of the way. It's, that's it, man. And it's incredible. I wish the Pelicans were good so we'd see more of them. 
but unfortunately they're stuck with Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> but um, we'll move on from the NBA <laughs> into the NFL. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but a huge trade went down in the NFL draft with the Miami Dolphins trading out of the third pick with the San Francisco 49ers. Now the 49ers have the third pick and Miami gets the 12th pick plus a couple of other picks. Miami then moved up to six with the Philadelphia Eagles. So now draft order goes. Number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Two, New York Jets. Three, San Francisco 49ers. Four, Atlanta Falcons. Five, oh, five Cincinnati Bengals, excuse me. Six, Miami Dolphins. Seven, Detroit Lions. Eight, Carolina Panthers. Nine, Denver Broncos. 10, Dallas Cowboys. 11, New York Giants. And 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. Resident Dolphins fan, Eston Parker, I will start with you. How would you grade this trade for the Dolphins? Altogether, at the moment, I give it a B plus. I, I really like that we got another first round pick next year. We still have two first round picks this draft. Um, I'm a huge Laramie Tunsil fan. I, I honestly might buy an old Laramie Tunsil jersey for what he's been doing for this team. Um, maybe not a gas mask, but um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we are on university programming. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ass mask. It's all <laughs> moving on. Moving on. All together. Really good trade. <laughs> Awful today. <laughs> Boy, you are nailing it today. <laughs> Richard, we'll go to you. Um, what did you think of all these trades going down? What does this What does this say to you about where San Francisco's thinking about going in the draft? Well, I'm not sure about San Francisco, but it looks like they definitely have an idea like going up to third for the first round. They definitely have a player in mind. I don't know who they will draft because the draft is not here yet, but they definitely have somebody in mind. Yeah. They definitely have somebody in mind. Um, You know, I've seen rumors that San Francisco traded all the way up to number three to draft Mac Jones quarterback from Alabama. And if they do that, I will laugh so hard. They traded all of their draft capital and future draft capital to draft a guy whose full name is McCorkle. That is his real name. It's McCorkle Jones. It's, it would be a Trubisky move, exactly. Trading up to three to get McCorkle Jones. His name is McCorkle, man. You don't trade up to number three to get McCorkle. And the thing about it is, if it is Mac Jones, you could have had him at 12. But I don't know what genjutsu an nfl team had you in to make you think that you have to go up to three to draft them but i seriously don't think it's going to be mac jones i think it's got to be justin fields or trey lance what it says to me about the 49ers is they're ready to move they're ready to win a title and they don't think jimmy garoppolo can do it and you know i believe them i think jimmy garoppolo is in that kirk cousins area where he's good if everybody else around him is good to elite. If he doesn't have to do much, it's, it's very like, you know, I've said before, Sean McVay and Jared Goff was like, if Sean McVay was playing quarterback on Madden, 
and he got to control what the quarterback did. That's Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't make a lot of plays outside the pocket, doesn't extend outside of schedule. He just, boom, play fake, first read, got to go. But if Kyle Shanahan's comments from last season after they played Patrick Mahomes, all those mobile quarterbacks said anything, it's that the NFL is changing. You need guys who can excel out, outside of schedule, under pressure. Jimmy G doesn't do that very well. So this is get signaling to me, they need somebody who can do that. Mac Jones ain't that guy. Um, um, for Miami, Miami, I think they graded out fantastically with this draft. They're moving back to, to six. They still have the future draft picks. I think they have like six draft picks in the first round from 2020 to 2022, which is fantastic for roster building. I think this signals to me that Miami is all in on Tua. And you really have no choice but to be considering the allegations that are surrounding Deshaun Watson. You don't want to make, you don't make a trade for him because you don't know if he'll play in the NFL again. That's a whole nother can of worms. But this is signaling to me that they're going to try and build around Tua, give him weapons to succeed. Drafting a receiver at number three in exactly the most valued move, I guess. But if you move back to six, it'd be fine. You know, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith from Alabama, Jalen Waller will all still be there because I think Cincinnati takes Panay Sewell at five. For the Eagles, this also really makes sense to me. You know, um, they have a lot of stuff to fix. Like the Eagles are really like, in the words, like in phrases, you know, we say down bad a lot on this show. The Eagles are down bad, man. Like they are down horrendous. They are like $30 million over in cap space. Um, they just had to trade their franchise quarterback. They might end up trading Fletcher Cox because his cap hit is too large. They don't know if they want to get, move on with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You know, they said there were rumors that the Eagles tried to move up the two to draft Zach Wilson, but then we're like, okay, we'll just stick with Jalen Hurts. They're paying Carson Wentz to not even be on the team. The Eagles are down horrendous. They need all the picks they can get. That's why trading back has more value for them because they need a lot of help. It's not, nothing's going to get solved with just one receiver at six because they need offensive linemen. They might need a quarterback. I don't know yet. They need receivers. They need corners. They need linebackers. They need pass rush. They need Jesus. That's, that's really it. The Eagles need Jesus. And I don't know if Jesus can uh, fix that cap space. The fans will just boo him. <laughs> I mean, if they've booed Santa, they'll probably boo Jesus. I mean... They booed Santa on Christmas and Christ Moss. I get it. I see why they booed they booed Santa. They definitely booed Jesus. Unless he looks like Nick Foles, which I don't want to imagine ever again. But <laughs> oh man. But I think that's gonna do it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. I am business manager Joseph Acosta I make sure I get that right this time and that's
photo editor, Esten Parker, sports editor, Richard Pereira. Make sure to find us on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, like, give us five stars, follow the show. If you don't give us five stars, you'll make Esten sad. We'll have to send Wooshlock out to get you, and we're going to take all your draft picks and make you look like the Philadelphia Eagles. So <laughs> from Richard Pereira and Esten Parker, I am Joseph Acosta wishing you a great rest of your day.